Day. Of course, it's Mother's Day, and you've heard it 10,000 times, but I want to add my voice. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Happy Mother's Day to moms of all different ages and stages. Man, I was, I was thinking about this. There are so many different types of moms, right? There's first-time moms. There's adoptive moms. There's fostering moms. There are step-moms. There are moms in waiting. There are moms of all types. And then there are moms who have one kid or have 12 kids. I read a story about one I'll share in just a minute. There's single moms. There's not yet moms. There's grandmoms and great-grandmoms. They're moms of all ages and stages and types. And man, I just want you to know, me personally, from my wife, who's an incredible mom, we just want you to have an incredible day feeling celebrated and special. You're special to your family. You're special to your friends. You're particularly special to those kids of yours. And you're special to the Lord. And today I want to talk for just a few minutes, not just to moms, but we're going to start there. Do you know, there are 84 mothers mentioned by name in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, which is the first 66 books of the Bible, if you, if you have your Bible, grab it. We're going to read Romans 8 here in just a minute. You can grab your Bible. Uh, hopefully you brought it with you along with your coffee. But if you didn't, grab your phone, pull up your Bible, or grab your printed Bible. I have mine today. And we're going to look at this in a minute. But in the Old Testament, the first 66 books, there are 84 mothers mentioned by name. Which means there's lots of opportunity to learn and to observe the way God moves through mothers, uses mothers, and the outcome of the work of mothers. There's a lot there. There are actually 250 plus references to mothers. More than almost, almost three times. Two and a half times as much as in the New Testament. In the New Testament, in the book of Romans, we read some places where it's not, of course there's reference to mothers. But there's also references just to women in general and the importance of women in the church, in the ministry, in the effectiveness of establishing and bringing the kingdom from heaven to earth. And so women are a big deal. Mothers are especially a big deal. And today we're talking about moms. And I, I read this story. There, there's this phrase. His mother's name appears 21 times in the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. So the reference to, to, to a mom... Uh, was, was in these books, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, repeatedly. And while recounting all these names of the kings and the authors, you know, they, they, they reference the deeds of moms too. And I thought this was interesting. There's a, there's a story about a woman, uh, or a woman named Edith Dean who wrote a number of books. And um, she wrote this in one of her, one of her um, interviews. She said, while the chronicler, as he analyzed so well the character of the mothers of the kings of Judah... Was he trying to stress that a nation's rise or fall may be determined by its mothers? Could a nation's rise or fall be determined by its mothers? Does the chronicler seem to say that if you would sway the world in the direction of good, you must begin with its mothers? Mothers, you hold sway over the nation's. The influence, the investment, the sacrifice, the pouring out, the, 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 the prayerful pursuit of, the exhortation, the, the coaching, the reminding, the disciplining, the encouraging, the championing of your children raises them up to be truly world changers. And is it possible that we see in the scriptures that even the, the, the author of Kings and Chronicles was declaring the influence of mothers on the state of the world? And I think... He was, and I, I could list lots of stories about it. Uh, I could talk about uh, maybe even if you, if you don't know the story of even Donald Trump's grandmother and, and the relationship she had with some others and the way a Bible was passed on. Like the, the influence of nations begins with the mothers. And so here's, 
Here's what I want to say. Because we have moms of all ages and stages, and it's incredible to celebrate you. But is it possible that maybe something we should talk about today is not just motherhood, but actually identity? You say, Pastor David, how is that possible? Why are we talking about identity? Here, here's what I want you to think about. How you became a mother doesn't matter. How you became a mother doesn't matter. The fact that you became a mother changed your identity and gave you a brand new purpose prior to being a mother. Before that first child arrived, you had a, a purpose, an identity, a plan. And some of it carried over, of course. But once you gave birth to a child, everything about the way you thought, and behaved and planned and purposed and prayed look different. You got a new identity, not just a new brand. You didn't just go from Sally to mommy. That, that happened. You got a new, a new title, a new label. But with that renaming or additional naming came some expectation, purpose, and identity. So it, it did. And so I, I love my name. You may love your name. But man, you know what my, what my favorite things to hear are? Are not David. They're not pastor. Those things are wonderful, but you know what I love most? I love hearing daddy and papa. Those are my favorite names. Why? Because they attach so deeply to fresh and new and purposed identity that is generational and, and transformative. And I wonder if maybe on this Mother's Day, I, it would be good for us, and here's where we're going to go, is I want to talk about identity more than I want to just talk about mother's influence. Mother's influence is important, but it's identity that is really the big deal. It changed no matter how you got there. You may have gotten pregnant unintentionally. You may have you know, gotten pregnant out of wedlock. You may have, have not been able to have children and you went through a three-year journey to adopt a child. Doesn't matter how you became a mom. You may have never had children and, and you'd never been married, but you married someone who had children and you became a stepmom. Doesn't matter how you got there. Once you had kids, once there were children calling you mom, everything changed. And, and, and to us more broadly, our identity is different in the moment of transition from a place of servant to son. Now listen, here's what I want you to write down. This is your big idea. You ready? Write this down. Big idea. Don't confuse who you are with what you've done or what you do. Don't confuse who you are with what you've done or what you do. As a mother, how you got to be a mom may not have been the best way. Maybe it was, but maybe it wasn't. And what you've done as a mother or a parent may not always have been great. It doesn't change the fact you're still the mom, you're still the dad, you're still the grandparent, the papa, the nana, the, the Gigi. What you've done and what you do is not the same as who you are. And this is an identity thing that I think is, is so important for us to lean into for a little bit today because right now in the midst of this journey, we've been walking through a journey as a church from how to not live in fear, how to be overcoming in our mental state and our understanding our spiritual kind of anchoring point is not what's going on around us. We've walked through a waiting moment that God's power is not operative and not, not limited by the situation on the earth. But, but I want to lean into how we should and can and really need to be leaning out beyond a place of standing and waiting into a place of perpetuating and putting forward all that we are in our identity, not in our name. So don't confuse who you are with what you've done or what you do. Mothers never let you, you should never believe that the mistakes you've made define you and neither should any of us. I remember when I was in sixth grade, 
Uh, yeah, I know you're thinking, how can that be possible? You're that old uh, that you can, but you can still remember it. I know, but I do. I remember in sixth grade. And here's the story I remember so clearly. I remember in sixth grade, we were playing a game. And it was the game where you stand up on the desks. And uh, it, was, it was a little rainy out. We couldn't go outside and have recess. So we stood up on our desks. We had a ball and we would throw it to each other. And, um, and when we, you would catch it. And if you made a bad throw and the person didn't catch it, but the throw was bad, you were out. If you threw it to someone and they caught it, excuse me, they dropped it, but it was a good throw, they were out. So we're playing this game and, um, and I make a throw. And the throw I make, I think was really good, but the, the kid I threw it to dropped it. And, um, and my teacher said, oh, you know, that you're out. And I was like, what are you talking about? It was a great throw. I'm, I'm in sixth grade. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? It's a great throw. And he said, no, 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 it was a bad throw. You're out. Now, maybe, maybe he knew things I didn't know. Maybe he knew stuff about that child that I didn't know. But all I know is I thought it was a good throw, and I felt like there was injustice that I was being sat down. And so he said, no, David, you're out. And I, you know, I, I, I like, I was competitive. I wanted to win like any other kid. And, and I sat down, I was a little huffy. And, uh, and he said, David, you, you know, is that a problem? And, uh, and he said, oh, you, he, my teacher said to me, oh, you're going to cry about that? And I was like, and so I said, just shut up. And I put my head down. You don't say shut up to anybody, much less your teacher. And, um, and I did. And he was like, you know, you could hear like the whole room. It was like there was a you know, pin dropped and I was in trouble. And I ended up having to go to the principal's office. And I went to a Christian school at the time. And I got spankings in school for telling a teacher to shut up. And frankly, I, I should have got a spanking. Needless to say, when I got home, I got another one. But here's the thing that was cool. My parents didn't remind me constantly of my failure. They constantly said to me, you're smart, you're successful, you're gonna, make, you're gonna do great things, David. You're, you've got a good head on your shoulders. They didn't tell me, you, you know, now that you've made that mistake, it's evidence that you will always be a dummy and make dumb decisions, make bad decisions, be dishonorable. They didn't say that. They didn't redefine who I was by the mistake I made. And man, can I just tell you something? You need to know, and somebody needs to hear this for sure today, that um, not only are you not the things you've done or do, but you need to write this down. God does not call you by your mistakes, addictions, habits, or hangups. God doesn't call you by that. In, in other words, so often in our culture, our identity is not even tied to our name or to mom or dad. It's tied to our addiction, our hangup, our mess up, our baggage, our mistake. We say things like, I am an addict. We say things like, I am an alcoholic. I am divorced. We put an identity into a label that was never given to us, nor does God see us that way. Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 8. Now, we're going to engage Romans 8 probably quite a bit over the next several weeks. In fact, next week, we're starting a brand new series called Ghosted, and we're going to look at the power of and the importance of the Holy Spirit's power at work in us, through us, into the world, and there was never a time we need to be living it more than it is now. Never a time. We should live it all the time. But man, if there was ever a time, the power of God needs to be moving in us and through us. It's now. So we're going to start ghosted. We're going to look at Romans 8 a little bit then. But I want to read you a little bit now because right in the middle, and I love this, Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, and it's really a, a, you know, an instruction letter. It's kind of the beginning of the New Testament church that he writes to them. It's carried to them by a woman, and, and she comments, of course, on the very first book and, and uh, excuse me, letter written to them. And right here in the middle of the book, in chapter 8, in the middle of the chapter, so to speak, uh, you can find this critical portion. So we're going to read verses 15 to 17a, or, 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 or the end of 17, and... Um, and I want you to read it with me. If you don't have it, uh, please pull it up. And if you do, look at it. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. 
In other words, the spirit that you've received, you know, now this is being written to Christians. It's being written to Christians. And I want you to hear this. If you have never, ever given your life to Jesus, this is written for you, but as yet, it doesn't apply to you. It's important that you hear that. He is saying what's about to happen and what has happened for those of us that have surrendered to God and accepted Christ, repented of sin, declared Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he's, and he's confirming some things to us. And all around this is some stuff about the Spirit as well. So he says this. So you've not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves, which he really is referencing what many have been experiencing in their natural world. Some of them, some of the people receiving this in Rome are not people who are citizens that are in a normal state of well-being. They're, they're Roman citizens, they have authority, etc. Some of the people receiving this letter is being read and, 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 and declared in, in private spaces and homes and, and, and in, in jail cells. It's being delivered not to the elite or to the established, although there were some, but it's as much as anything being delivered to the marginalized, the slaves, the, the hurting. And he's saying the Spirit of God didn't, didn't enslave you to something new so important he says this instead you receive god's spirit when he adopted you as his own children now we call him abba father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are god's children children and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. But if we're going to share his glory, there's a measure of suffering that we share of his as well. The sense of rejection and persecution that comes with being a follower of Christ. The surrender to the full measure of the power of God that transcends the human eye and the natural that others, you know, challenge because of Pick a thing, science, a book on evolution. Pick a thing. And they challenge the, the truth of the scriptures. And Paul was writing, confirming to them that the spirit of God witnesses to your spirit that you're not, just, you're not enslaved to a new religion, which was the nature of the culture of that day. And I would say this one too. Religion is not just the things that we, it's not just the Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hindu. It's not just, there's, there's the religion of atheism. It's a religious practice, even though it may be not recognized in the same way that denominational religions are recognized or world religions. But atheism, human, just the humanism is a religious philosophy and methodology. So it's no different today than it was then. And, and, and Paul is writing and saying, no, 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 no. You are heirs of the glory of God. You've been adopted as children. All that God is and has is available to all of his heirs and no one's a grandkid. Listen to me. This is so huge for you. So huge. Some of you have been sitting on a couch off and on for eight weeks like me and you're sick and tired of it and you're ready to be done with it and we've walked through the, okay, I'm over the fear. God, you're, you're, you, you've dispelled fear. I don't have to live in anxiety and pain. We've dispelled the idea that, that while I'm sitting in the middle of this, God can't still work in me and I can wrestle with my thoughts and feelings about God with God. We've, we've walked through some things together and I think, I think what we need to do is now kind of lean up instead of leaning back. We need to lean up from our seat and get to the edge and start to think about and lean into God, how do I show and manifest the full measure of your inheritance for me in my life, my family, and my world? What does that look like? How do we do that, God? It's time to, but it begins with knowing your identity. If you still think you're a grandchild, or you still think the mistakes of your past that made you a mom keep you from being considered a mom, and that word makes you uncomfortable because you're tied to a past performance, a past behavior, or mistakes, 
Don't be, because God isn't doing that. His spirit, if you've surrendered to him, witnesses to your spirit that you're children of the living God and an heir of all things as being adopted into his family. And an adoption in this culture particularly gave you all the rights and privilege of a natural-born child. It's a big deal. So first of all, I want to say to you that you are an heir of all that God has made possible through his son, Jesus, if you are surrendered to him. And if you're not, we're going to give you the chance to do that in just a minute because all of God's promises are yes and amen. Let me give, let me give you another verse. This is in Romans chapter 5. If you couple of, flip a couple of chapters back, it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. It's important. It's important. That means that the sin of the earth, the pain of the earth, the death of the earth is not God prescribed. It's a result of sinful behavior in a sinful earth, corrupt earth, that death rules over, including our eternity separated from God. So, but even greater is God's wonderful grace, and listen to this, and his gift of righteousness, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. In other words, we read and talk a lot about grace, but the gift of righteousness, we don't talk about in the scriptures developing our righteousness because righteousness is not something we develop. It's something we reflect because it's been imputed. It's been put into and upon us. We're viewed through it because of what Jesus did and his righteousness. So you are not named. You are not called. You do not retain an identity of your past sins, mistakes, failures, hangups, blemishes or problems and that is important for you if you're going to then be able to lean into the full measure of what we are heirs of not just our salvation but all that comes with being an adopted child of God he calls us son so here's the second thing I want you to write down real quick today is that we have the authority our father has because position defines authority position defines authority and what I mean by that is the, the authority that one has when they, when they say to another, use my name, you have signing authority on a check if you work in a corporation, you have uh, use my voice, take my card and use it in a, in a relationship or a transaction. There is transferred authority from one who all recognize it, someone that, that everyone recognizes it in a, in a person or a position or, a, or, a, or an accomplishment. And that person says, I'm letting you trade on all of my authority because, pick a thing, you are, uh, you know, I'm the, uh, you're the president of a company, you entrust authority to your vice presidents. You're a um, general manager of a basketball team, you entrust authority to your coaches. You are the captain of a basketball team uh, or a football team or a soccer team and you entrust some responsibility and authority to your teammates. You are a father or mother of a home and you entrust some authority to a child. You are a, uh, an older person and you um, do the power of attorney to give authority legally to another person. Like, Transference of authority is a normal and natural function. And in the supernatural, it's true as well. God gave you and I all of his authority as well as his um, scope or purview by virtue of being heirs and adopted into his family. Here's what it says uh, in scripture. This is, now this is Galatians chapter three. This is really a great, a great passage about this. There's a lot in Galatians we could read. It talks about identity, but... Here's what it says. I, I, in fact, have you ever thought about this? Like, just think about the royal family. Think about the royal family. A child is born into the royal family in, in the UK or wherever, and um, they, they are born, and by virtue of nothing, no earning, no failing, no creating, no behaving, simply by a name transference, 
You are born, you take your first breath, your last name is, you instantly have authority. Even at three years old, servants, to some extent, obey you. Even at six years old with a temper tantrum, there are things that people will not do, will not say, will not behave around you because at six, it doesn't matter your age or your performance yet. You are in the family, period. Did you know that's true for you if you've surrendered your life to Jesus? You have authority because of who God is as his adopted child. Your name and destiny were changed in an instant and your identity was fully transformed and you have been given all of the things in that scope, all of his promises, all of the, the um, available authority and power is ours to exercise. And, and we need to, I want to, you, I hope, want to walk in all of it, but we have to establish and settle in our soul that our misses and our mistakes have not cost us or prevented or limited us. If we are in those moments, going back to the Lord and say, God, I messed up, will you forgive me? God, I'm sorry, I don't want to be in, I don't want anything in between us. If we're seeking to maintain the depth of relationship, we, God has imputed his authority to us. And man, I mess up as a son sometimes with my dad. My dad doesn't disown me. He doesn't disown me. And neither does the Lord. Here, here's what I want to read to you. Galatians chapter three, verses 26 to 29. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And I know most of you that are, that are joining us for the service experience today, you're a children of God because you place your faith in Christ Jesus. But there are some of you who haven't. There's some of you who maybe are wrestling with, did I really? I've done church a while, but did I really put my faith in Christ Jesus? You're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's the public identification with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. Listen, you are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. All that he promised him, everywhere he'd put his foot would be his. He'd be the father of many nations. He would have lots of progeny. He would, he would bring the, 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 the worship of the God of the universe to the nations. And it's all, it's all in our hands and for us. Moms, I know the way you dream over your kids when they're born and they're being raised up and you see a future for them that you want them to walk into. I, 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 as a dad, I think that way. And I need my kids to know the full measure of their identity. As a child of God first, more than anything else, that they're his children. Secondly, that they're our children, which comes with as much challenge and difficulty as it does joy and favor. And all that God has made promise to Abraham and he's declared for his son Jesus is available for and to us. Blessing, power, and authority. Here's the, here's the next thing. I want you to write down this last thing. Living in less than all God paid for insults the price that he paid for it. Living in less than all God paid for actually insults the price that God paid for it. What, what God paid was extravagant. His son Jesus went to the cross to take care of our sin and our shame and our difficulty and our mistakes and our failures and all the future ones too. And when we live in, 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 in less than, we walk in less than, we're un, unsure about walking in the fullness of God's authority, his power, his, his declaration, his, his, his healing virtue, his discerning giftings, his, and all that he has for the sake of the kingdom of God and reaching the world, being light in a dark place, bringing hope to a dark world. We, we sort of insult all the effort and work that, that went into providing it in the first place. Here's what scripture says um, 
I want you to just really, really, really lean into this verse in Galatians 3, right? For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. No matter what, no matter your earthly position, no matter who you are, no matter what you've gone through, it's available to you. And now that we've received it, the question is, will we leverage, will we utilize, will we walk in the full measure of it? I want to read you just a few things here. In 2 Corinthians, Scripture says that we are a new creation. We're not the same as we used to be, we're new. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are not broken and messed up. We're the righteousness of God. Our righteousness is because of Jesus, not us. In 1 Peter 2, it says we've been healed. In 2 Corinthians 8, we've been made rich. Did you know that, that there are so many promises of God to us in our identity, who we are, what is available to us because of Jesus? Do we know it? And do we walk in it? I, I believe that over the next few weeks in our Ghosted series, we're going to help you become fully aware of the measure and the involvement and the engagement and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in power and boldness in our world. In our world, in my life personally, and in my world. And I, I, I believe that it all hinges on accepting and standing firmly on who we are in Christ. We're sons of the living God. We are adopted heirs of salvation. All that God has made possible and available to Jesus, He made possible and available to us. Position as sons. Let me pray for us. And, uh, and then I want to ask those of you who've never surrendered your life to Jesus to take a big, big, bold step right there today. Father God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that God, every person who's listening to this would be emboldened in their spirit in a fresh awareness of their identity and who they are in you. God, that everyone who's called on the name of the Lord that has said, I am surrendered to Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin. I, God, I want you to, to make me new and whole. That God, they've, they've surrendered. God would have a fresh awareness that you would whisper on their, on, their, on their spirit. You would blow on their heart that they would find strength rising up in them a confidence in their backbone in who they are in Jesus Christ to declare all that he is and all that he has to, 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 to seek and know their Father God, their, the, the, the Savior Jesus, and the awareness of the availability of the Holy Spirit, God. I pray that it would be strengthened and, and inflamed in them today, God. A sense of amen. Yes, God, I am your child. I am not my mistakes. I am not my past. I am your child. I'm an heir, and I'm a son, and I thank you for that today, God. And Lord, would you right now, as you whisper that, Lord, draw those who are wrestling with saying yes to you right now to a place of surrender, a full measure of surrender right now. And so let me speak to you for a second. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray a prayer that I want you to repeat. And the words are important because they're reflective of some principles, that God is the forgiver of sins and that we have not, we can't earn heaven, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and we are not capable of making our own way. They're important because they're a starting declaration of an ongoing journey. We now walk into the full experience of our, of our airship of our sonship. So here's what I want you to do. If you've never, never said this before, you never prayed before, you never surrendered to God before, no matter how much you've dabbled in church, would you say this? And then you need to let somebody know. You need to put it in the chat. You need to text your response uh, to, you know, to the number on the screen and just say, I'm new today. I've made a decision. I'm surrendering to Jesus. I want to discover the full measure of my identity in Christ. Are you ready? Here's what I want you to pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him. I thank you that he died for me. And I thank you for raising him back to life 
just for me. Today, God, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Would you make me new because of Jesus and not my good works? And today, Jesus, I call you my Lord and my Savior. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.